And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. The season is well underway. Your Toronto Blue Jays took the opening series against the dreaded Texas Rangers, and we are here to talk about all of that. We, of course, being me, my name is Drew Fairservice. I am one of the hosts of Spinrate, and I am joined from beautiful downtown New York City, downtown Manhattan. No, not downtown, Midtown is what we discussed a little bit earlier. Uh, she covers the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just frantically realized I wasn't recording properly on the microphone, but I, I, you, you, stalled enough in your intro for me that I had enough time to switch it up so producer Cam won't get mad at me for I'm, screwing up. I'm going to run do. this downtown bit into the ground, um, <laughs> uh, for, you know, which is kind of what, what I do. It's a podcast. That's, that's the point of a podcast is to take a bit and beat it to a bloody pulp. Kind of like what the Blue Jays mostly did to the Texas Rangers this weekend, beat them to a bloody pulp. Before we talk about that, I want to talk about, of course, the housekeeping items of the day, which is you got to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. If you haven't already, subscribe to The Athletic. Get all of Caitlin's coverage of the Blue Jays this season, starting now all the way through to October and what may lie beyond. You want to read what everybody's saying about your Blue Jays. Uh, you want to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and let them know that we sent you. So you can read Caitlin's awesome story on signature pitches. You can get a look at Kevin Gossman's goofy change up splitter thing that is a, a, a bastard of, uh, of of an abomination of a pitch that uh, befuddled <laughs> the Rangers on the weekend. And uh, if you listened to the last episode of Spin Rate, you'll know that we have added a new co-host to the mix. Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays starter, has joined us on the show and will continue to join us once a week for the entire season. He and I talked about the Caitlin story. We talked about Kevin. Ricky knew right away. He was like, I don't think that's a splitter. I thought, I think that's a changeup. And I said, well, if you look, show the, the picture that Caitlin took, you could see that that is a circle change as plain as day. So if you want to subscribe to this show, when you can get Caitlin and I once a week, you can get me and Ricky and Caitlin once a week, Caitlin won't be every week, but when we get Caitlin, when we get the three of us together, we'll all have a good time. You want to subscribe to Spin Rate wherever you get your podcast. If it's on Podcast City, is that which is a thing that I've just, it's a startup that I've created, <laughs> Podcast City. It's a podcast player that lets you play it at 10 times speed for all the true lunatics out there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those sorts of places. Spotify looks seems like it's like the place where people get their podcasts the most, um, but whatever. So go there. Subscribe to the show, give us a rating, a review, a thumbs up, whatever it is out there. Do all that. Housekeeping now out of the way. So, Caitlin, mm-hmm. before we get into the nitty gritty of the performances and ups and downs and who looked great and who wishes there was a longer spring training, what was your impression of opening day? You were there. There was that flag. I swear it gets bigger every year. 
Um, there was lovely perform. There was lovely ceremonies before the before the game. Hank Aaron's lovely wife was there to to present Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with an award. What was your view of opening day? It was a lot of fun. It was, um, you know, it was nice to have it back. I think like last year when the Blue Jays came back in July, one, it wasn't really like a you know a true home opener in the sense that it wasn't really opening the season, um, and. The other thing with that was that the it was like almost at least from the players and coaching staff and just team perspective, it was a lot more of like a sense of like relief um, mm. that they were finally back. And so I think that's why you saw like the release of emotion from some of the players and Charlie. And it was just like they were just like so relieved. We're back home. Finally, the stress is gone from moving around. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of emotions there, um, over the, this past weekend, but it wasn't that, you know, release of stress. It was more like this release of joy and excitement. And, um, you know, the fans were just so happy to see the team again. I think the team was really happy to just have that like true home opener, do those player introductions and actually doing it in front of like, what is your true home crowd? Um, you know, it was really fun. It was fun to see like, how big um, the ovations everybody got. Um, you know, I love those introductions when they're just, they're going down the line. Yes. What would you I want to ask say? you, I, I love okay. those introductions too. And I'm, and I, and I think that the way that they did them allowed for something odd. Who in your mind, if you can remember, who do you think got the biggest ovation of anybody? Um, I guess, I mean, Vlad was very loud. I thought Jordan Romano actually got a quite loud um mm-hmm. ovation did you did you notice on tv or something Who on tv to me mm-hmm. it sounded like alec Manoa got the biggest ovation because he, he was he the did first get a big one. like he did get a main big one, guy yeah. he, I, I think mm-hmm. he was the first main guy like kind of in the in the list in the order because yeah. it was like trainers and 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 strength team and everybody else and there was a couple dudes and then it was alec Manoa. and i guess the thing especially if you're there at the, in the stadium you're like look at that enormous guy it's almost his time like he stands out like as like a, a gigantic mm-hmm. sore thumb so when he everyone he get, comes up and, and people love him i think the other thing too and, and on tv it sounded louder for manoa than it did for vlad i thought of all the players like the starters when they ran out if vlad was the loudest but i i just the way that it sounded on tv it sounded to me like manoa got the biggest ovation and romano got a big one too also by the yeah. way as an added bonus if you don't if you are a TikTok user, uh, Jordan Romano's sister is on TikTok and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. She's a lawyer, but she's like making all these jokes about how she is an influencer. And then all the people, she was there on opening day and, but everyone was there to see her and it was nice that her brother came yeah. and terrific, terrific stuff. But anyway, sorry, keep going. Um, you know, I agree. Like, I mean, Alec did get a, a large cheer and I think you're right though, because I do now recall like it was like he kind of came up and he was one of the first guys coming out because um, I don't even know how they necessarily order them beyond like the starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he got a good cheer. Um, it, it was always like weird too, because I find like, like this, the pitcher who's warming up, like doesn't get a big cheer because I think people have a hard time seeing where they are. Cause like, they've got to cut the, the, like, uh, they've got to, they're not like actually looking at them or they've like cut the camera to like them in the bullpen and like Jose mm-hmm. Brios is not paying attention. So it feels like, you know, he's the opening day starter, but he's not getting this big cheer. Cause it feels like there's just so much happening in that moment. But yeah, like, um, you know, the, the interactions were great. Uh, you know, obviously Marcus Simeon, it was kind of nice that he was there. I mean, I thought maybe, uh, I mean, I didn't actually get a chance to talk to him. It was, 
busy weekend. But, you know, it's probably a little weird that immediately he starts back up. I don't know. But it was also mm-hmm. kind of nice that he was just part of the Silver Slugger um, award ceremony. And he just gets that award right away. And he gets to stand with his former teammates, who he obviously was really close to. And everyone gave him a really nice cheer. And it was funny because, like, obviously, like, Texas Rangers still get booed very loudly in Toronto, as you would expect. But everyone was very polite when Marcus came out and he was getting the polite cheers, especially on Friday. I felt like it dimmed um, Saturday and Sunday. He didn't get as much cheers, but definitely on Friday, um, everyone gave him a very warm welcome. So yeah, and you know, it was a fun, um, it was a fun time. I mean, I do have to shout out because this was impressive and I thought it was uh, beyond, you know, beyond some of the players, the biggest star of the opening weekend was the Blue Jays' new lights, uh, because I don't think a lot of us knew what to expect. Uh, we knew we, they got new lights and it's quite noticeable. Like w- once you, once everyone goes to games, anyone that's listening or people who have, um, gone to games already, if they're listening, um, they probably noticed how much brighter the, just the lighting is in there, like normal lighting, like the, um, it, once you walk in the first time you walk in, it's quite noticeable. Um, and mm-hmm. it makes the field look different. It makes the field look brighter and sharper too. Cause those lights, um, are so much brighter, but obviously they also change colors and we didn't know that. And so like, you know, when the, uh, introductions were starting or the pregame ceremony was starting, like, you know, the lights dimmed and they like flash like blue and white and red and they flash all these different colors. And then, you know, during games, like when the, when the Blue Jays like had a home run, like you'll, the lights will dim again and they'll flash like blue and white. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, I talked to some players about it and like, they're really excited about that because there's other stadiums that do that. Notably like Yankee stadium has like flashing lights too, to kind of emphasize, you know, moments for the Yankees. And so, um, you know, and speaking of Jordan Romano, he has his own little custom um, light show when he comes in mm-hmm. the game. Cause they, they do like the, can you see it on TV? Like, I don't know if they showed it maybe the first time they showed it on TV, but it's red and white flashing lights. And so he, they, he told me that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, he, I was just going to say like, he told me like they kind of told him about it or asked him like, Hey, do you want anything like special when you, when you come in the game? Because mm-hmm. even last year, like they played a video for him. Like he has a specific as like closers. He's tend a closer, to have, like, yeah. Yeah, like closers tend to have a little bit of a um, special, um, you know, introduction when they come in the game. Um, but he kind of said to me, like, yeah, they asked me, but like, I'm not creative. So I just go out there, throw baseballs. You guys, you guys like do the light show. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he, uh, his family, his sister probably liked it because he said his family and friends who are in, who are in the stadium on Friday really liked his new introduction. So, and his sister. Who was at the stadium? His family and friends and his yeah. sister. Um, his they, so sister. what they did, they called it out. Like th- he came in and then they threw to it, I guess. And they said, I don't know if you, like as part of kind of promoting the scoreboard. So that was the thing mm-hmm. for me. The, the lights piece is really interesting because watching it on TV, it was hard for me to tell like what was the, what was the lights and what was the scoreboard. The scoreboard is hilarious because it's so bright that it was like <laughs> blowing out the shots. Cause they were, so there were lots of kind of conspicuous shots on, on Sportsnet of like, Hey, check out the new scoreboard. And I was like, that mm-hmm. oh, doesn't do anything for me. It seems so bright. And again, it was blowing out all the shots, the lights it, from a baseball perspective, if the lights make it brighter in there and it makes it easier for guys to track fly balls and they don't, you know, lose them in the lights. Like we seen for for 30 years when a kind of a kind of a line drive or a ball head out to left field at a specific angle you know typically has 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 troubled some 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 outfielders you know guys the blue jays and otherwise 
so if the if the on field product is affected by the quality of the lights, I'm all for that. If they if the, if it's like oh, it's more like a big game, big you know, big time stadium. I I, I mean, I'm old, I guess, because I don't care. I don't care about the scoreboard. I don't care that they that, that about the exacting detail of the way that they the things that they did to be able to have more places to sell Rogers products. Like it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, at the game, I'm probably going to be annoyed that it is so goddamn bright, but. The lights themselves. So I, that was hard for me sometimes because you'd see them and they would be like, the lights are going up and down. I'm like, is that just the scoreboard? Is it just the scoreboard that's that's changing images and it's affecting the entire lighting yeah. experience inside <laughs> the stadium? So good to know it's not just the scoreboard. But, um, but yeah, again, I yeah, think no, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't notice any craziness with the scoreboard. It is outrageously large, though. Like, it's because it's big. Like, it's where it was before. I mean, bigger. Mm. But then mm. it also extends out to the sides. So mm-hmm. it almost, like, it doesn't totally wrap around. But it does. It has, like, these arms on it. And there are, they do fill up, like, every little inch of space with, like, stats. And, like, there are a lot of stats on there now. Um, and, like, you know, some are, like, interesting choices, like, um, you obviously have the pitching stats and it's like, you know, velo- like pitch, whoops, hit my mic, um, pitch velocity. Um, but then it ha- also has like break. And I'm like, do you really, are people really like wanting to know, like, what was the break on that curveball? Like, and it's like, even if they see the numbers, do they know what it means? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think I saw some people talk about that on Twitter and it's like, you know, I think all the numbers and stuff that baseball has are all interesting and stuff, but you sometimes it's like, do we, do we need this number in a stadium? You know, is there not another fun number we could have up there that maybe is like people can relate to more? I don't know. Too much of the, and I'm guilty of this, right? I've been a loudmouth, statsy, quasi statsy person for, you know, a long time now on, on the internet. And, you know, for a long time, it was, there was always encouragement, like, well, we want to see them use better stats. And like, I don't care about, you know, batting average or whatever, but there are, you can see now that some, in a lot of ways, the stats are being mis, are being used in a, like just thrown up there for no reason with no context and not even applied accurately or properly there was a i saw a a number on the on the broadcast and it was like over the last however many years three years this guy has a 101.9 ops plus i'm like you can't have a fraction like a decimal in an indexed number it's an index number it's not the number itself you can't it doesn't work like that don't like that's you're that's a wrong that's inaccurate that is not a that is a bunk garbage number that you've put up on the screen like but again, it, it's it's really about is it, it, it I I come back to the you know is it a matter of is it illumination or is it support like stats can open your eyes and can and can and can make you see the game in a different way and can make you appreciate different types of players contribution in a different way um, because not everybody is going to fit into the same boxes but at the same time just throwing a bunch of random numbers up there and be like this curveball broke this many inches it's like you know in the stadium you don't appreciate that because you can't tell you you can't tell when you're sitting in the 500 section or the 100 section if you're sitting in the in the right field corner you can't tell a good curveball from a bad one right just like you can't tell a strike from a ball but right because it's you're sitting that far away you're it's just it's it's a not the same kind of experience that you're able to get on TV it's not the same kind of experience when you're doing analysis afterwards where it's like what was the average break on his curveball some are going to be more some are going to be less but like that can tell you things about this player, how they project forward and what their performance is like relative to their baseline. But like in the stadium, 
it, I think it, should, it it would bode well to be more in the moment. I, one thing I did like, it seemed like, was they were almost doing it like a scorebook, where you know each at bat was sort of had the, the little uh, diagram and was like you know double yes. and whatever else. That's kind of cool because again, that is an in stadium experience that a lot of people or certain uh, people of a certain vintage in particular associate people do score the game when they go probably less now if you see someone scoring the game you know that guy's been through some shit but like you know that's it's just like that is an in-stadium experience and i appreciate that they're trying to like amplify what is an in-stadium experience where other stuff they could probably streamline it and and just find better ways to contextualize what a given fan is seeing and you know it's it's Mm -hmm. It's good that there are way more. They're taking steps to cater to younger fans, or what what the what the belief is that younger fans or certain segments of fans want. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the old people. Old people love baseball, and every every move to a uh, you know to get them off over the air, or every time they're jumping around channels, or every the, every overwhelming experience in the ballpark, it means you're losing at least one old person every single day. So we'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So that's great. And now on the field, it was quite a show as well as the Blue Jays went from being down seven uh, nothing as Jose Barrios mm-hmm. recorded, but a single out. Is that accurate in his first uh, his opening it. day that's, start? That's it. One out. And then the Blue Jays came all the way back to win. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I the- mean, it's pretty like funny if the first game of the year. I don't think it will be, but if the first game of the year ends up being their most dramatic, knowing this team, like they like they played like 10 dramatic games in in September last year. So, <laughs> like I I feel like when it was happening, um it was funny cuz like when obviously they were gaining momentum and then Teoscar Hernandez was at the plate and I was just like I think he's going to hit a home run. I just, you could kind of feel it. And like this team, I mean, you know, it's baseball, anything can happen. And like, maybe I'm just saying this now because it did happen, but I don't know. Like sometimes you just get this feeling like when this team is riding a bit of momentum and like, I know it's a cliche to say like hitting is contagious. Cause like, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> they're each going up there as an individual, but um, but sometimes you just get a feeling like when this team is building momentum in an inning, like they can really score in bunches. Like they just have, they have a knack for doing that. And I've seen them do it a number of times now. So when they kind of came back, I, it, it felt very familiar to me. And I kind of wrote that. It was like, you know, they were doing this all down the stretch. Um, you know, there was a number of games, obviously the Oakland one stands out. There was a couple in Baltimore where they came back kind of really dramatically scored a lot of runs, um, they, you know, they did it a number of times last year. 
Um, and so it felt very much like they're just kind of picking up where they left off. Like they just, you know, this is what they do. Like they are such a dangerous lineup that, uh, you know, their starter can get chased from the first inning after recording one out and go down seven, nothing. And it's like, well, we're just going to keep scoring runs. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, pretty dramatic. And then even the next day, like it was not so much of a comeback, but they did come from behind win that one. Um, it's funny, the game where they like had a substantial lead is the one they actually ended up losing. So before we move to that, what did you make of Barrios's outing? I don't know what, what would have been said um, mm-hmm. after, you know, after the game, if he had, if there were any kind of illuminating quotes or lines, or if there was any kind of anybody with a good sense of what sort of happened to him. To, again, I, I have my ideas of how it sort of looked, but I, I would love to hear what you think first. Yeah. Well, he just didn't have his command. He was mm-hmm. not, he just was not able to, you know, throw pitches over the strike zone. And he, said afterward and you know he, he you know some people i think because maybe garrett cole had said something along the lines of a you know the um pre-game ceremonies going long in new york and that threw him off um and of course i think the the ones in toronto went by were a lot longer than the ones in or it seemed to go cut way more into the start time in toronto garrett um, cole's first pitch was delayed by four minutes yeah yeah <laughs> i don't actually honestly i don't even know what the I know like 707 is when the Jays games are supposed to start, but I assume it was not, that was not the first pitch because they knew they were going to have the ceremonies. I don't know how much delayed it was because I, I don't know what the official start time was, but we definitely didn't start until after 730. Um, mm-hmm. So, but he said it did. He said it didn't like he was prepared for there to be a delay or that didn't throw him off. Um, you know, basically what he said is, he was just trying to be too perfect, too nasty. Like, you know, he wasn't just like, um, going up there and, you know, thinking throw strikes. I think he was trying to do too much. Um, mm-hmm. And I sort of wonder, I mean, I think I asked him, was there nerves or anything? And he said no, but you have to wonder, maybe he was a little bit too hyped up. Like I said, like there was a lot of emotion and a lot of excitement. Probably the Blue Jays were probably the team dealing with maybe the most kind of anticipated opener just because it'd been so long. And so it was kind of an extra special event for them and the team. And so you do have to wonder just, was he a little bit too hyped up? Like, um, which kind of forced him to just be kind of overthrowing it, trying to just do too much, you know, spin the ball too much or whatever it may be. Um, and then, you know, you just, you get into some trouble. Um, also the, you know, like the, the defense looked also a little hyped up too in that first inning too, which didn't help them. Like they had a, an opportunity or two to turn a double play and they didn't. And so it almost seemed like everyone looked a little like nervous or hyped up. I think Charlie even said that, like he thinks, um, you know, maybe everyone had to settle down a little bit. And unfortunately Barrios wasn't able to just like get those few outs that he needed to like get out of the inning. So like, you know, it was probably the worst start you could have imagined um really mm-hmm. getting one out for him because he's not that mm-hmm. type of guy he really i looked and like that was only the second time in his entire career that he didn't get out of an inning or the first inning and uh that first time for him happened when he was a rookie like 2016 so that was like not expected whatsoever um and of course like also you have to consider like 
you know, you throw too many pitches in an inning. No one, you know, no pitcher wants to do that, but you especially don't want to do that when you're coming off a shortened spring. Like these Blue Jays, they're, they're, they're coming off the shortened spring. They also have a crazy difficult schedule in April. They're playing 30 games in 31 days or whatever it may be. So like you really got to be careful with your pitches. And like they have 10 guys in the bullpen and it's like they didn't necessarily want to go to a lot of them in the first inning, but they had to and they made it work. But yeah, what were your thoughts, I guess, on the game yeah. or Brios or whatever? I would say it was exactly exactly that. Like I feel like it was um, it was uh, magnified because it was the first outing of the year. So I mean, you never want to let a pitcher and in today's game never want to let him throw more than like thirty thirty five pitches in an inning anyway. Especially when it's in in your in the first time out. I mean, if it if it if he had gotten through two innings kind of like normally and then he had that sort of a blow up inning in the third, we wouldn't be thinking about it in the same way. Um, you know, Brad Miller, I think the home run, the opening, you know, the first batter of the year home run was, uh, he hit a good pitch, I think. It, I mean, it wasn't a great pitch, but he he did well to stay on that and really drive it the way that he did. Um, easy, easy for for somebody, you know, anybody to to try to pull that maybe and, and then roll over and then Brios has gotten out. Um, bit of bad luck in terms of um, when he hit uh, Calhoun, right? Hit Calhoun on the back foot with like with the curveball or whatever. Um, uh, uh, you know, the walks obviously no good and, uh, but a little bit, maybe just again, lacking command, not really being able to hit his spots. And I, I'm not, per- so in contrast to Hyunjin Ryu, I'm very much not worried about Jose Barrios. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was just like, I don't- just didn't have it and, and mistakes were magnified and just a little bit of bad luck in terms of, you know, again, the hit by, hit by pitch couple goofy walks and you know tip your hat definitely to brad miller um mm-hmm. and and definitely looking forward to seeing brios back out there uh so if we can move ahead to sunday real quick we can get back sure. to given gosman for example and and obviously blue jays scored a lot, a lot of runs on friday they're going to do that they scored a lot of runs all weekend long mm-hmm. um the rangers you know have a pretty uh, a better much better lineup but they're still they added three good players to a hundred lost team so they're still a bad team you know what i mean so Good to see the Blue Jays be able to tee off and 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 everybody coming in looking like themselves, right? There's no no not, none of the Blue Jays kind of look out of sorts on the offensive side. Now, I mean, maybe Matt Chapman struck out a little bit more than you would love to see, but it's only three games, so whatever. Yeah, um, and he at least Bar- got the home run in the, on Sunday, so exactly. And 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 the home run, I think Joe Siddle did a good little breakdown of that home run um, in terms of like that's a really good sign because it was him sort of staying staying back on that ball and sort of driving it to left center field a little bit more, not just like kind of yanking it over the fence and reaching and cheating. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, if you're a Blue Jays fan, it's a, a sign of his health, you know, his hip being probably in a better place than it, it had been, um, uh, you know, through last year. So, um, but Ryu, I think was not as good. <laughs> uh, he, I, I, maybe, I mean, again, it is only one start and Hyunjin Ryu has a really terrific track record, but it's it's worrisome. I, I think that there are there. It's okay to be worried about Hyunjin Ryu and sort of really being uh, looking forward to him. Hopefully, having a bit more command and having you know just being a little bit better the next time out. But mm-hmm. there are some red flags. I think right now with Hyunjin Ryu with his location and uh, a guy who has, does not have the margin of error to miss like over the plate, and if he's not able to get. You know his his pitches moving where they need to. If he's not able to get, you know, his change up down and away to right handers, and if he's not able to get then get the cutter in on their hands and stuff, then he's in some shit. 
And, you know, we saw that a little bit where early in the start, he was able to kind of mix things up and then elevate his fastball to great effect. And then, but then he wasn't really in a position to do it later on and he started getting hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not what you want. No, and it, it really did turn on a dime. It seemed like I was even like, you know, texting someone and being like, yeah, Ryu looks really good. Like, this is kind of what you want. Like, I thought mm-hmm. the first time through like he looked great he was really i mean it was there was one he gave up one home run um but uh other than that he looked really good and then yeah it just like it looked like the second time through they kind of figured him out and yeah he wasn't locating his pitches as much and you know as you said like he doesn't have the margin for error i mean his velocity was pretty good for him um i think it was like 91 ish mm-hmm. um or like averaging 91 so it's like the, at least you want to see that from him so um you know that's something um and yeah he then he started getting hit and like i thought he was a bit unlucky in the terms of getting hit with that comebacker because i think that could have been a double play ball um but yeah i mean but their kind of damage was done before that and like the inning was kind of lingering on he was going to come out anyway um you know whether he had gotten hit or whatever um so, you know, I mean, I guess the one thing is, like, I do think the Blue Jays have some more, almost kind of some options this year in the sense of, well, first we have to wait to see, like, is Nate Pearson, when is Nate Pearson going to be ready? Um, you know, when is he going to recover from mono? Um, and, you know, apparently he's already playing catch, and so that's, like, a decent sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. I think mono can be kind of tricky thing to get over. Sometimes the, the fatigue and stuff can linger. Um, and so, but, you know, I, I do think the Blue Jays, like, you know, could get creative in the sense of, like, maybe you do, like, pair Pearson with someone like Ryu, and maybe you just are using using Ryu very selectively. Maybe it's, like, try to get it two times to the order. Do you use an opener with Ryu? Like, I don't know. Like, there's probably things that you can do. I mean, that's also a tricky situation because he's, you know, not that long ago was your staff ace and he's making 20 million dollars a year this year and next year so you also don't want to like offend him and you want to give him time to you know find himself i think someone mentioned even like in 2020 when there was also a weird start to the year obviously it took him some time to get into a groove and then he really did find a good groove and he was really excellent for them in 2020 and so you know i do wonder um it's funny because i it's like ryu's been on the team for a while now but he really hasn't played in like completely normal circumstances um mm. so you know i guess i would want to wait and see like if this was just a bad start if this was like you know the contributing factor of like the shortened spring like maybe he just is a slow starter does he take that you know what i mean like um but i would agree with you like of the um you know of the starting pitching performances um of the blue jays this weekend like that is the one that is, you know, slightly worrying because it's not, it's not, like with Brios, it was so out of character, I would say. Um, but with Ryu, it was unfortunately a little bit of a continuing trend that we saw um, last year. And so I think that's why um, he's the most concerning. But then I would also say like that first inning looked really good. So obviously he can still manage it. It's just he has to be really, really, on with his command all the time, which is which is a lot to ask. Uh, late inning reliever Hyunjin Ryu, I think, is what Kalen has just advocated for. That uh, bring bring Hyunjin Ryu. He's a new eighth inning guy. Ryu Meza, you know, Merriweather, everybody at the back of the bullpen there. Um, yeah, I think that that it is um, just something that bears monitoring. I think there was some there was a lot of talk about um, number one the strike zone 
Uh, the strike zone on Sunday was was really bad, um, which mm-hmm. is not an excuse when you're giving up home runs and stuff for days. But um, the strike zone uh, didn't help the Blue Jays at all, uh, as well as, again, I'll shout out Joe Siddle one more time, who did a great breakdown of like some really missed, oppor- missed opportunities to frame some strikes. Like the pitches that were pitches that were in the strike zone, um, that that Danny Jansen wasn't able to uh, receive in a in a really um, in a in a nice way. You know, I, it's it's important I think to think about the idea the idea of strike probability. I think is something that's that's good for a lot of fans to think about because especially when you see the box uh, on TV. And it's like if it's inside, it's a ball. If it's outside, it's or if inside, it's a ball. Inside, it's a strike. Outside, it's a ball. I mean, that, that's not necessarily a, a realistic way to think about where a given pitched ball is received or where it may cross um, the strike zone. I think that the idea of strike probability is a good one to get your mind around because there are a lot of 50-50 pitches, right, where like it's right on the border. So sometimes it's going to get called a strike. Sometimes it's going to get called a ball. There are a lot of different factors that can go into whether or not a pitch is called a strike or a ball. Um, and receiving is one of those. And, you know, they show Buck Martinez in the, on the broadcast talked about, you know, uh, Mitch Garver, who is the new catcher for the Rangers, who's mostly known for his offense, but he's a one knee guy who was getting right down low and then being able to receive pitches at the bottom of the zone in a really, um, positive way and, and really presented them and, and make, you know, cause it's doing that whole thing where you're coming up, you're coming, receiving the ball and coming up, you're bringing it up from below, almost bring, you're bringing, not bringing it into the strike zone, but it, you're not stabbing at it, which I think Danny Jansen had a few that were, it was like a big curveball that could have been received at the bottom of the zone and presented as a strike because it was very much like a, like a borderline 50, 50 pitch, but Jansen sort of was stabbing at it and brought it down out of the zone. And it's just, it's not good catching. And, and the game has changed so much so quickly that those are not, it's not as much of a specialization anymore. That's like, that's like table stakes. If you're going to be a big league catcher, you need to be able to be a good pitch framer. Everybody is now. The number of, if you're not a good pitch framer, you're not a catcher. So I think that, that Danny Jetson had a great weekend at the plate. Um, had a, had a great, amazing weekend at the plate. Amazing to see. But there is still that opportunity for like a little bit of improvement in terms of the ability to, to present those pitches as strikes to just not steal a strike, but like, it, I think again, there's, in the early days, there was a lot of like resentment to the idea of pitch framing and people hated Jose Molina for stealing strikes. And it's not, I don't think it's about that. It's about giving your pitcher the best chance to have his borderline pitches called accurately or called in the way that is reflective of where they were thrown, which is if they are in those 50 50 borderline kind of gray zones, do everything you can to make it look like a strike and you can get that call and a two one a one one pitch here or an o two pitch here that ends in at bat that ends up uh that that uh, turns in another direction ends up with a guy on base like that all adds up so if you're trying to be a championship team like the blue jays are those are the little things that you can sort of tighten up and you can really make sure that that um that you're you're giving yourself every opportunity to 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 win and given an encounter to to win those one one those one one counts that are so pivotal that can then get get that at bat going in your in your team's uh, direction and then building and building and building so not something that I, I don't think anyone should be worried about Danny Jansen's receiving but you know it is it is important to know that they did trade away the guy who is the best receiver on their team um, uh, in terms of called strikes, especially at the bottom of the zone. So just a little bit of opportunity for improvement that can help 
a guy like Ryu, again, a guy who doesn't have a lot of margins for error. And he doesn't have margins for error in terms of where his pitches are located in the zone. So then he doesn't get hit, but he also doesn't have margin for error that he can just give away uh, what would be a cult strike. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's let, real quick. We can talk about Kevin Gosman as well, who pitched uh, mm-hmm. fine, right? Is it unfair to it, say that he pitched fine? I don't think so. I think he was fine. He had one bad inning, and it wasn't in the in the even in the bad inning. I thought he sort of managed it well. He limited the damage. It was just a lot of singles, you know. And I think he got a little unlucky on a couple of singles, but then he also got kind of lucky on some positioning um, going the other way. Like I thought the defense played really well behind him. Um, Kevin Bijo made a really nice play that I remember, um, at second. And so, yeah, but I thought like, um, for a first start and also considering Kevin Gosman really didn't pitch much in spring. Um, mm-hmm. he called himself like a field two warrior, which is like basically like the backfields and, and the Jays complex. They have field one and field two where the major leaguers sometimes get in their work. And sometimes that's where they have the minor league games. So he was there a lot. Um, he wasn't really pitching. He only made one start against the Tigers late in spring training. Um, and so, you know, considering all that, I thought he looked good. I thought the splitter looked really good. It obviously got a lot of swinging strikes on it, which is like what you want to see from that kind of pitch. And so I thought, um, yeah, I thought his performance was fine. So let me ask you the the, the, the question. So, I know that uh, Andy McCullough uh, wrote about it this year uh, for The Athletic, as he does, where they have like the ace conversation. They have a big dinner, apparently, all the writers, and they decide who's an ace. Um, I'm not invited. You're not invited? You'll get there. Yeah. You'll get there. You, all, you didn't go to Syracuse, so they don't even pretend mm, they don't want to yes, acknowledge sir. that you exist. I went to the Syracuse of the North, Western. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe the University of Western Ontario. Are there a lot of st- salt-stained Uggs in Syracuse, I wonder? I'm going to assume that there are. Probably. Do do the Blue Jays have an ace? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, think, I think they have a staff ace because every staff probably has an ace. Um, Everyone has a de facto best guy, but that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make them an ace. No, I mean, I think that... Barrios could be an ace. Like, I've seen him as a pick for... Um, some Cy Young votes this year, um, you know, and it would take him having basically his best season. Um, but I think he could be. I think he could be an ace. Um, he's still pretty young. He's like only 27, I think. So this is probably the prime of his career. 
Um, and you know, Kevin Gosman, I think, I think he could do it too. Um, but I, if I had to choose one of them to sort of do it, then maybe it's Barrios. But it, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that. I think the Blue Jays' strength of the rotation is the fact that they are a pretty solid group. Like, I think there's other rotations that maybe, like, have a better number one, like the Yankees, for example, who we'll see this weekend – or this weekend. I don't know what time it is. Um, I'm in New York right now. It's Monday, so this week where I will watch them. But, um, like, obviously they have Garrett Cole. And, like, the, the strength – like, if you look at, like, how the war breaks down of the rotation, like – or they have a really good starting staff, but a lot of that is because they have Garrett Cole. Um, whereas the Blue Jays, I think, like, their rotation is built around a bunch of guys that are, you know, above average. But then when you when you put them together, it's a really solid staff because they don't really have, um, or in theory, like, if they're all pitching at their best, they shouldn't have a huge weak spot. Like, the depth of their rotation, I think, is their strength. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's an interesting question. I don't think the Blue Jays have an obvious ace. I think they have some candidates who could pitch um, well this year and develop into an ace. I think, you know, Alec Manoa, the way he pitches, maybe he could do it as well. Uh, But I think, like, no, I don't think they have, like, someone you might identify and say like, that's an ace the way that like you do with Carrot Cole or Max Scherzer um, at this moment, but they can have that by the end of this year. The, the way that Ray, like the way that Robbie Ray kind of established himself as probably an ace um, last year. And now he's got a really nice, I think he got off to a good start with Seattle as well. So like he's, I think he's an ace now. And so, but he, maybe he wasn't at the start of last season. So the same thing could happen in Toronto this year. So yeah, I think I'm a bit more precious with the term ace. I think that there are maybe like 10 or 12 like true aces in in the whole game. I don't know that I could necessarily list them all off to you, but like I think I think that Robbie Ray kind of like Kevin Gossman would need to put up another kind of ace like season, which I which you couldn't you would be hard. I have a hard time arguing that 2021 for both those guys was was really ace like. You know, Garrett Cole is is kind of the prototype of what an ace looks like mm-hmm. he's a guy who throws a tons of innings throw a ton of innings can be truly dominant can like go out there and strike out 15 and kind of like win a game all on his own you know stuff through the roof on every on every level obviously you know like Roy Halladay was an ace um I don't I don't think that Barrios is an ace I think that was the whole thing that that was was a the acquisition cost and the and what they pay him suggests that that he's more he's like a number two he's a he's a number two starter um he's then that's there's no shame in that there's no mm-hmm. you don't need to have an ace again because they're in short supply and they come at a very they they, they cost a premium the blue jay strength is is in its depth in its fact that it has you know a Either a guy who is a good, you know, one guy who's a good, or two guys who are good twos. One who potentially could make the leap to become an ace with another great, another great year. Um, again, I, I just don't know that. I don't know that Brios is like so overpowering that I would necessarily describe him as an ace. But but maybe you don't need to be overpowering. Again, maybe I'm just winnowing this down to being like you need to be like Garrett Cole or like Nolan Ryan or like you know this guy to be an ace. But you don't. It takes a village, uh, as they say. But. I think I don't. I just don't think that the, the Blue Jays do have an ace, but they do have a lot of good starting pitchers. And 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 if Barrios, or sorry, if Ryu can sort of rediscover what he can be, and and we've talked about this a little bit, if he can be even like a Mark Burley type at this stage of his career, if he can if he can go out and and just get outs and and befuddle batters and and eat up some innings and take some pressure off the bullpen, sold. I'm sold for twenty million bucks. 
I'm all in. I'm all in on that. Um, so that's it. So then we can talk real quick. You know, we mentioned um, looking ahead to the Yankees this week. Uh, Yankees got off to a good start against awesome. the dreaded Red Sox, mm-hmm. which is fine. Which is, you know, everybody wins that way. But, um, you know, the Yankees, the Blue Jays are coming in at the right time, I think. The ability to kind of, well, not coming in at the right time. It's always nice when you don't have to face Garrett Cole or, or you can just get the kind of back end of the, of the, of the rotation uh, first. I guess they will get him eventually. But, um, you know, John Carlos Stanton doing John Carlos Stanton things and, I mean, the Yankees are what the Yankees are. It does what it says on the can. They are, to me, the opening series sort of broke down exactly as you would expect it to. You know, they've got they're a top-heavy offense. They've got a lot. You know, obviously, uh, what's his name? Anthony Rizzo had a great weekend, but they're going to hit the ball over the fence. They have a really good bullpen. Your opportunities yeah. come sort of when you can limit one and stay away from the other. Yeah, and it's, you know, the last time, I think the last time the Jays were here um, was when they swept um, the Yankees in New York. So these they they play well in Yankee Stadium, at least this team, or at least they have. Um, mm-hmm. So, and they, you know, I think they started the season here last year, too, and they won, they won two of three, I think, or they... They had a decent performance. So I don't know. Like just, I'm they trying did. to think back. I'm trying to think back of like how they've played in Yankee Stadium before. And I feel like they've played pretty well here before. So well, um, I'm expecting for them to have pretty good performance. I mean, Manoa is going today, which is always good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be hyped up for that. Um, <laughs> and and like you said, they, um, you know, they don't get Car- Garrett Cole right off the bat, which is like, you know, maybe that is kind of nice to like ease into it a little bit. Um, and, uh, so, and they have their full lineup, like they have their full lineup and like, I, we didn't, we didn't really talk about it, but like, there's not much to talk about. Like the lineup did exactly what you thought the lineup was going to do. The top of the mm-hmm. order was really good. George Springer was taking his walks and then eventually, you know, got some hits there. You know, Bo was getting his hip hits, uh, Vladdy like hit the snot out of the baseball on Sunday. Um, that home Oscar. Run was <laughs> insane. He, I know. Like out loud, I was at home and he by myself, and he hit it, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Like out loud to nobody, yeah, because he yeah. just destroyed that thing. And that kid made a great play. The, the hit the one guy in the hands, and the other guy sort of grabbed it right in front of the railing. You love to see people out there making plays uh, when they get the chance. But yeah, the Blue Jays' offense, I think you're, yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Like just did it, all, all the things that they need to do. You know, last year at this time, you know, early in the season, we there was, it was Danny Jansen was off to a rough start and Lourdes Gurriel uh, Jr. was off to a terrible start as well. Um, even, I mean, it's only the opening weekend, but the yeah. offense looked exactly like you expect the offense to look, right? They scored, what, yeah. 29 runs or something over the looked, weekend? I would say it looked almost better in some ways because you saw like Espinal hitting very the ball very hard. He got some nice um, two doubles, two pretty big doubles. Um, mm-hmm. in two big moments and he hit was hitting the ball harder than he'd ever hit it before. Um, like we said before, Danny Jansen looked really good, just like kind of going full, like pull power man now, like just going to hit all those, all those home runs out to left field. Cause it worked for him. Um, and you know, Kirk looked good. Like, yeah, I feel like all the hitters, um, you know, one through nine looked pretty good, um, and did exactly what you thought they would do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this series against the Yankees should be a good sort of like test. You know, you always want to see like where you are. Not that it means anything if they go out and 
lose all four and it doesn't really mean a lot if they sweep the Yankees necessarily because there's a lot of season left to play and so much can happen but I think the Blue Jays would want to come in here and at least split the series like the way that they have their way that they have their pitching you know you'd hope that of the four guys that they have going you could get two wins out of that um and um you know maybe today is a good one because it's I think they're playing Tayon I was I'm almost mm-hmm. uh, worried that I today, Tayon yeah. Yeah, I was worried I'm not pronouncing his name properly. Don't I didn't do very well in uh, high school French. Um <laughs> but uh but uh yeah, so I mean I think a split would be like what they would a- well, they'd be aiming for higher, but I would say realistically mm-hmm. like I think if you came out of New York um with a split, you'd feel pretty good about yourself, especially just knowing like how hard this month is. It's not just the number of games they're playing, but like they're they're basically like playing almost exclusively New York, Boston, and Houston with a little break of the A's in between there. But uh, they mm-hmm. have a really tough schedule. So um, I think everyone you know, needs to remain patient, I think, in the month of April. If we learned anything from opening weekend, it's like don't overreact to the starting pitching. And also like this is a month where you got to be patient like mm-hmm. um, because it's a tough schedule. It's been a shortened spring. It's going to be a bit of a slow climb for the starters. Obviously, the offense looks pretty like it looks like they're off to the races, but mm-hmm. it's a hard it's a hard schedule. And the Blue Jays. I don't know why, but like they just got a very tough April, both in the sense of who they're playing and also the fact that they only have one off day. It's hard. It's a hard schedule on me, too, because I'm doing a lot of travel. <laughs> Let's so. talk about what's important here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I, I think my if, if I'm a, if I'm the Blue Jays or or if you are if you are watching this from a, obviously with, as a Blue Jays fan, the big thing for me is to no matter what happens, if they win two, if they win three, they don't win any, mm-hmm. avoid the blow up start. Right, yes. because the last thing you want to do is start scrambling and like having to make moves and option guys and worry about bullpen fatigue in the first week of the season. Right, like mm-hmm. I'm already w- looking, wondering, like, did they send Tyler Sacedo Taylor Tyler? Did they send T Sauce down? Right, he didn't look, didn't have a great outing, and now was pitched two twice in three days. You know, Stripling pitched twice, uh, didn't look particularly sharp uh, yesterday. Again, kind of a little bit victimized by. Some uh, by by the walks and probably by the strike zone, but that's the thing that I, if I'm watching the Jays this weekend, it's like just would love to see just a decent, just decent outings. You, you know, just go five innings you know, yeah. at this point, right? Which is all most of the year. That's all it's going to be. But with with guys on pitch counts, and if you're thinking eighty pitches or seventy five pitches or eighty five pitches, wherever they they're thinking they're going to get to. Um, just make, get as many outs with those pitches as possible, and give the bullpen a chance to like not. Not just be playing catch up, you know, which is kind of what we saw yeah. last season, right? Where the bullpen just sort of ran out of gas and they ran out of guys. Um, I thought it was great to see David Phelps. I thought he looked uh, good, you know, mm-hmm. give up a run the other day, but it's it's great to see him back and contributing for the Blue Jays. I think he can be a really, really valuable and important piece. Um, but and, and I think that when I think about that, avoid the blow up start. It's like this the Kikuchi start, you know, that's right. the one that I'm like fingers crossed. <laughs> It can be a potentially rough matchup for him uh, with so much right-handed power uh, on the Yankees with that joke stadium where they can just dump balls into the seats in right field. Um, if he's a, if he's leaving his fastballs up and, and away or out over the plate, um, lots of, you know, it, it could potentially go bad um, for him. So I would love to see him, you know, not whether or not they win or lose, just avoid 
blowing up and avoid having to start that shuttle back and forth from Buffalo and scrambling and this guy's not available, that guy's not available. Suddenly someone's pitched way too much. So, you know, just like just like it's important to manage the 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 workload of the starters, I think it's important to manage the workload of the relievers and not get yourself into that kind of a hole early on. Yeah. Um I think like also like the opening weekend, like it was hard to get a sense of where the bullpen's at because they were just immediately asked to do so much. Like I mm-hmm. thought it was like people kind of a little worried, like, oh, this is a repeat of the bullpen of last year. I don't think so, just because it's like well, I mean, wait, I don't think so because it's three games, you can't judge, but also it just like felt like they were immediately asked to like pitch an entire game almost Mm -hmm. (laughs) on day one and um obviously it's like a 10-man bullpen as well and they're gonna have to get down to eight so what we're seeing right now is like not necessarily even like the true true bullpen because there's some extra guys who you probably won't see much this season or they're going to be shuttled back and forth but you know of the guys like simber got a bit unlucky he hardly gives up home runs and he gave up a home run which was weird um mesa looked good you said phelps like yeah he looked pretty good too like um um, Trevor Richards looked good. Jordan Romano looked great. So like a lot of the guys that you like need to look good did look good. It was just like, yeah, like Ross Stripling was good on Friday and then he kind of got unlucky, like you said, on Sunday with the strike zone and just wasn't as sharp as he had been uh, previously. And so um, I thought like for the most part, the guys you really need to rely on, I thought kind of came out strong. Um, and then it was just like, you know, when you're turning to guy, like when you're having to have Thornton go out there and throw multiple innings because your starters left the game early, like that's, you know, that's a hard ask for a team. Mm-hmm. And you, but you can't even complain about the way that, uh, the way that Trent Thornton pitched, even no, though a lot I of thought people he was were fine. obviously not happy. There's a real canary, canary in the coal mine vibe when Trent Thornton comes into the game at this point. But, uh, you know, he was, the me, he was to, good. Hmm? No, he was, I good. He, was good. he was good. To me, a guy that I really want to see and that I really like and I find him really fun to watch and think he could be really valuable is Julian Merriweather. Right? He throws, he's you know, capable of throwing so hard, change up so so deadly and and set that huge gap between, you know, the, the in terms of velocity. Um I'd love would just love to see him be able to like be healthy and and pitch well. And uh and then the Blue Jays, I think, would have a real shot in the arm in the bullpen. Speaking of shot in the arm. No, I'm not even going to go there. Thank Caitlin. <laughs> Enjoy uh, downtown New York, downtown New York City, downtown Manhattan, downtown the Bronx. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is not a real thing. But enjoy New York. And everyone, if you are, I hope you had a great opening weekend and enjoy the Blue Jays facing off against the dreaded Yankees. And all in all, I would say thumbs up. Successful start to the 22, 22, 2022 season for your Toronto Blue Jays. Caitlin, would you agree? I would agree. Two awesome. or three. On opening weekend is a good start. Can't complain. We will come back and have more spin rate for you this week. So as I said before, subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We will talk to you again soon on spin rate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.